and welcome back or welcome to the Just Bloody Post-It podcast. I'm Helen Perry and this is for anyone who wants to do stuff and make things happen to create and share brilliantly online but with healthy boundaries and it's for you if you're inspired by the stories of people who are doing it in their own perfectly imperfect way. Today, money. I think of myself as someone who's not that great with money. It's a blue job in this house. I am a feminist, but this stuff around women and cash runs deep. Did you know that by the time women retire, they have typically saved about a quarter of what a man has for that time in their life? Our guest this time is on a mission to change this, to help women win at finance. After years in the investment management industry, Davinia Tomlinson founded RainCheck, a membership programme that teaches money, savings, investment and wealth building to women. And to make it happen for as many of us as possible, to spread the word, Davinia's prepared to get right out of her comfort zone and onto Instagram. People are much happier talking about their sex lives with strangers than they are their finances, apparently. And so on that basis, it's really important that you see someone that you can say, oh, I really like her, I like her vibe, she's relatable, she's authentic. Or you can say immediately, no, I really don't like Dad's vibe, I need to you know, seek out somebody else. But either way, it's important that you put a face to the brand and that people can relate to you and then you've captivated them. It means that they'll be loyal to you over the long term. But I resisted for a very long time doing video, doing Instagram stories, any of that stuff. I find it cringy. In my most long haul chat so far, keep listening, you'll see, we cover money mindset, obviously, and niche. How really very super important it is to know who you're talking to when you're marketing. How we must not dumb down our message, our work, wherever we're talking about it. And I urge you to stay tuned for the second half where Davinia gets into how we as business owners, freelancers, own bosses, should be measuring the value of the time we spend on social media. Like we need to know which bits are worth the effort so we can ditch the bits that aren't. Davinia, hello, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh no, thank you for coming. And you are, let's just put it out there, a living example of what happens when you can work towards financial independence and life goals, because where in the world are you? I am currently in the Caribbean on the beautiful island of St. Kitts. And you're not there on holiday, oh no. (laughs) No, I'm not at all. We moved here um, last December. So yeah, it's a relocation. Congratulations. Is that something that's been a long-term goal for you guys? Yes, absolutely. So it's been two years in the making, but I feel like it's lived a lifetime in my heart. This was always something that I wanted to do after many summer holidays and Christmases spent here as a child growing up. So I knew it was my happy place. Um, So about two years ago, I decided that it was the place that I wanted to live and work and raise my children and, and just thrive, really. So two years towards conception and and like fulfilling that goal, that's actually, it shows what can happen when you're focused on something, right? right? Yeah. So, I mean, life must feel amazing. You're on a beautiful island and you've got the business up and running, but I think you probably feel like a lot of other women right now, really relieved that childcare is happening again so that we can focus on our businesses. (laughs) 
Yes. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, I have so much to say about childcare, not just the cost of it, but also the, the associated, um, just the labour and, and the emotional cost that come with it and the vast majority of which are borne by women. So yes, huge sigh of relief um, for all of my friends and even for myself, you know, having lived through lockdown in London for the best part of a year last year. Tell us about Raincheck. What's in the title? What does the project mean to you? So it's so funny. I feel like Raincheck is my third child. I always said, you know, I've got two daughters. I'm done now. I'm closed for business. But Raincheck is my third child. And really the name Raincheck is designed to kind of, it's a bit of a play on words and it's designed to um, evoke this sense of banking your checks for a rainy day. And it's really important that as women, especially, that we think about, if not our financial independence, but certainly our financial resilience in the midst of all of the, the challenges that we face financially. And I'm always very sensitive to not, you know, constantly, you know, beat this dead donkey about, you know, the gender pay gap, the gender investing gap, the gender pensions gap, because I think, you know, sometimes these things, it, you can feel so overwhelmed and so beleaguered by this terrible data that we face. And it can force you into a position of freezing where we do nothing at all about our finances. And so what I try to do is strike the balance through Raincheck of highlighting some of the financial challenges we face, but also emphasising, you know, putting a disproportionate amount of focus on what is within our gift to control and some of the money moves that we can make to improve our financial situations. What is the root of this gap for you? Like, where do you see it start and how do we begin to unpick this totally different relationship that we have with our finances that men seem to? Mm, I think there are a couple of things. I think societally we are conditioned and socialised, you know, growing up to believe, you know, as young women, you know, any conversation about money is viewed as unladylike or vulgar. Um, that's certainly an experience that I have had. Um, and even, you know, working within the world of finance, you know, you, you are either you know, you, you can imagine, you know, this uh, stereotypical ice maidens, you know, the real power woman in finance um, and who, who is viewed very negatively for speaking up for herself, for commanding her worth. Things that are, you know, just considered to be normal for the average man doing a, an equivalent thing. You know, he certainly wouldn't be tarred with the same brush. And you see those individuals, you know, if you think about, you know, I started on a graduate scheme at one of the world's largest asset managers and, there were 10 of us on that program. And I bet you if you were to look at the trajectory um, from a career perspective of the, of the three women that were on the program versus the guys, whereas ours would have been, you know, quite a bit spiky, theirs is probably a straight line upwards, exactly, generally, where they haven't had to confront the same kinds of stigma and pressures socially from people when they, you know, when they are unapologetic in their pursuit of wealth. And they don't have to explain that, you know, I want to be wealthy because I want to support my family or I want to have children or I want to buy. They don't have to explain at all because they are men. It's just assumed that it's perfectly acceptable for them to want to be wealthy. So I think society, you know, that conditioning plays a big part. And a lot, a large part of that comes from the family. So what you are trained to believe at home. And, you know, I talk all the time through Raincheck about money scripts um, and some of those inherited beliefs that we have and, you know, the relationship or, you know, how that influences our relationship with money when we become adults. So I think, you know, that that combination um, combined with, you know, as women, you hear all the time about imposter syndrome, for example. And I think, again, it, it can become this huge generalisation because there are lots of women that I know, real high flyers, well-educated, professionals, powerhouses. And I think to myself, I don't know anybody that really suffers from imposter syndrome. The reality is, is that in their, you know, 
individual field, when they potentially speak up or when they have sought to command their worth and negotiate a pay increase, the reception that they get when they have those conversations is quite negative. And so what will happen with anyone, whether you're a man or a woman, if you are continually coming up against negativity um, or resistance when you try to assert yourself in any way, of course, you're going to retreat. That's human nature. I don't think that's a uniquely female conundrum. Um, and so it's important that we think about the language that we use and how we talk to ourselves, how we refer to women and our relationship with money, um, because lots of these things can seep into our consciousness and you start to believe that they are your problem versus a problem that you've inherited or absorbed from elsewhere. So I always stress to women, you know, you have all of the ingredients to be a real financial badass. You don't need to worry about imposter syndrome or... There are all of these gaps that exist, but you have the tools to be able to resolve that yourself. And I think that's really important. Uh, presumably, you're trying to just rewrite the, the messaging around money. And it, how do you start to do that with your social media posts and content? How do you talk to your team about that? Where do you begin with trying to access and get the attention of people who are resistant to this kind of stuff? I mean, it really starts with knowing who we want, we want to speak to in the first place. And, you know, when you think about Instagram, which is our primary platform from a social media perspective, you know, obviously women are the biggest user on, on Instagram, but there are, you know, so many different segments and women of all ages that are on there. And so we are very specific with the kind of women that we're talking to. Um, and so then that, that's almost borne out in the, the content. So of course we want the content to be accessible to and useful for all types of women. Um, uh, but it's really important that the specific woman that we're talking to knows that we're speaking to her and will take action as a result of what we're telling her. And so when we, you know, we can see that in the DMs or the emails that we receive from people who have been triggered by something that they might have seen on one of the posts. And that's the most gratifying thing, knowing that it's having an impact. But I think from my perspective, the thing that I say to my team is what we want to do is not infantilize anyone. It's really important that we at no point attempt to reduce things down to the lowest common denominator when we're talking about personal finance. Raincheck is unapologetically about helping women build sustainable long-term wealth. And it's really important. I mean, we only changed that language in the last six months because I recognised that when I was originally talking about Raincheck helping women take control of their financial futures, there are a number of different ways that that might manifest itself. But what it was doing was shying away from the very specific objective that we had. And I think being specific and being precise is really powerful in helping you to funnel out the people that you're potentially not speaking to. And so in that kind of being quite vague and quite general, you, I guess in, on the one hand, you think, well, I'm trying to appeal to everyone but then you end up appealing to nobody at all. So it was important to me to start talking about, we are trying to build wealth and we are trying to build it over the long term, and we are trying to build it in such a way that it lasts. And so that language is really important. The words that we use to convey that are important. So we try to make sure that we're repeating that message consistently. And I remember in the early days of Raincheck when it was just me and I was trying to do all the social media and everything myself, because you, know, you can get into this uh, the realm of going, well, I said that yesterday or I said that last week. I'm not going to say it again now because people must be fed up. And it was only when I started working with someone who now manages the social media and she was like, Dav, if you say it every day, somebody that's really attuned to what you're saying will finally think, I better do something about that. But the vast majority of people won't have seen it yesterday. They might have seen the image and they'll go, oh, that's good. And they'll like it and they'll move on, but they won't necessarily have read the caption. So it really is important that across all media, you were saying the same thing over and over. And that was something that it took me a long time to learn because I, I just had this, this 
inner worry that I was boring people to tears with the same messages. The other thing is kind of content planning and thinking, you know, how can we be aligned with other things, other issues that are happening, you know, generally on the UK calendar, on a global calendar. So equal pay day, for example, which in contrast to, you know, what the name suggests is the point at which women stop being paid in the year for the same labour. So basically you end up working a third of the year for free um, as a result of this gender pay gap. So being attuned to things like that means that we can craft content around these milestones that will catch hold and will mean that people might be more likely to share content, for example. So, you know, making sure that we're we're planning in that way is really, really powerful. I guess the other thing that, you know, again, I very reluctantly had to do was to be visible as a person. How have you found that? Because I know that you, I know that you understand marketing. Mm-hmm. I know that's work that you've done in the past. Selling for someone else is like easy peasy. Let me add it. But when you have to do it for yourself and you have to step out there, it's not it's not your natural happy place. No. Oh, my gosh, I find it so cringy, Helen. And you know what's funny? Like I was always so I was obsessed from day one that Raincheck shouldn't be a faceless brand. That's really, really important to me because, again, you know, putting myself in the guise of what an, a rainmaker might look like or the qualities that a rainmaker might possess, I thought, well, if I were going to engage with someone that's going to tell me about my finances, that's a relationship that has to be built on trust. You know, people are much happier talking about their sex lives with strangers than they are their finances, apparently. Um, and so on that basis, it's really important that you see someone that you can say, oh, I really like her. I like her vibe. She's relatable. She's authentic. Or you can say immediately, no, I really don't like Dav's vibe. I need to, you know, seek out somebody else. But either way, it's important that you put a face to the brand and that people can relate to you and then you've captivated them. It means that they'll be loyal to you over the long term. But I resisted for a very long time doing video, doing Instagram stories, any of that stuff. I find it cringy. I have to remind myself even now every week, you know, my social media person will say, Dab, you really got to get on camera. You've got to do a story or you've got to do a video. And she, she has to give me these pep talks and just say, well, just say this, say that. It will last one minute. Put it out there and then I'll post it for you. You don't even need to think about it. Don't log on. Just don't log on. I will do all the rest. Um, But it really is important. It's one of the most powerful things that you can do. And it's something that you do excellently. I mean, I really, um, you know, watching your posts and seeing how just how relatable you are and fun and perky and quirky, all of the things. That's really kind. But I think it's really important for you to say that you find it cringy. And for me to say, I probably I probably don't find it cringy now, but I definitely did two or three years ago. I mean, there are literally no photographs of me in existence between my wedding and which was 15 years ago and three and about three years ago when I really got into, you know, trying to make something happen for myself on Instagram. It's not something that has to feel natural. You can kind of you can change that narrative as well and you can become comfortable with just getting out there and saying your thing because the alternative is that actually maybe something's not going to happen like you want to reach those women and that's that's a bigger driving force than right the, than the than the cringe I guess yes yes and that's <laughs> the thing that I have to remind myself you're, you're spot on and I and that's very much the message um, that I receive from my peers, you know, other, other female entrepreneurs, when I say to them, oh gosh, it's really awful. Oh, I've had to do this video. And you know, the, the overriding feeling is the greater good is that I want to reach these women. And if they don't see me and they just see these posts, you know, I could be a man pretending to run this account and pretending to be by women for women. I could be anybody at all. Um, and so it's really important that I'm able to present this face of relatability. And we find a way and you find a way somebody gives you a kick up the butt, you do it. 
then they have to give you another kick. And you know what? Sometimes it's just sometimes things aren't the fa- our favorite part of our work, but it has to happen. I'm really interested to talk to you kind of on behalf of myself and other founders, small business people, freelancers, all the kind of people that I work with. And actually, probably, I imagine, make up, you know, a lot of your audience as well. We're all, I'm, I tell people to go onto social media and promote their business and engage with other people and whatnot. But there's this other side of it. You can get sucked into spending a lot of time on social media, calling it work, thinking it's part of your work. <laughs> Is it always? Not really. You know, how do we, how do you balance the kind of necess- it being necessary to power part of your business versus is this a good is this a good use of my time how Mm. how does that sit for you well you'll be unsurprised to hear that I'm all over the numbers so any analytics any data that can let me know where I'm getting um, customers from where we're getting the vast majority of our traffic from um, is it from google you know people just googling up female finance expert or is it people that are following us on Instagram? Is it the newsletter? Um, and when we look at, you know, our overall kind of marketing mix of, of different activity that we're in, we enter into, the vast majority of people that will become rain check customers and become rainmakers come from email marketing. I mean, that's just the unequivocal truth. And I think that's probably that the, it's probably fair to say for lots of small businesses, you know, once you've developed that rapport with people via email, when they see you dropping into their inbox, it makes them feel good that they're like, oh, I'm going to take time to read this email from Dav because I know it's going to be something that will be useful for me or give me a nice change of scene. But what we see with Instagram, though, is that it really is powerful in helping exactly as we've just described to put that face to the brand and to promote that visibility really instantly. So it can feel, you know, I treat it almost as, you know, when it's that kind of sugar high, that sugar rush, you know, you have that quick fix. But then when you need something that's going to be a bit more nourishing and longer lasting, then we use our email to kind of develop the conversation to, you know, I always encourage people to email me if they have any questions or if what I've emailed them um, resonates. And through that, I'm able to, to kind of gauge, you know, how how is that message landing? You know, what are the open rates? What are the click-throughs? So I use one to fuel the other. For me, I think with my social media usage, I turned a corner and it was the point at which I appointed someone to manage social media where I realised it was becoming a massive drain on my time and resources. And I had to be realistic about, exactly as you say, I had to be realistic about whether it was a good use of my time because it was easy to trick my brain into believing that it was about followers and it was about likes and it was about, you know, all that kind of stuff. Not realising that, you know, there are people with perhaps even half the number of followers that Raincheck has today, which is not a huge number, but maybe half the number of Raincheck followers. And they're running thriving, successful businesses. So I had to really readjust my brain to, Dad, what are you doing? Why are we trying to pursue followers that could be from anywhere that might not even necessarily be the, the ideal rainmaker? And then these individuals won't necessarily convert. So you spend a disproportionate amount of your energy on something that is not going to generate revenue. And so once I had that kind of awakening about 18 months ago, everything changed. And so we got, I, you know, I got somebody on board to manage the social media accounts. We, you know, we content plan. So I'm not having to be in there every day and go, oh gosh, what should a post be today? What, what should I post tomorrow? In terms of us kind of, you know, going onto other accounts and engaging and commenting and that kind of thing. 
that's something that I can do, you know, when I've got 20 minutes spare and I'm very disciplined about when I'm going on there to do that engagement, but I don't obsess over it. And I know that there are lots of different hacks and things. Some of them, you know, I will follow, but I, I want to do it in a way that's authentic. So if I see you, for example, pop up on my feed, I'm like, I'm going to listen to this video because Helen's going to tell me something that I want to hear. And anyway, I like watching her and she wears red lipstick. I like watching her. Um, but then I'm not going to follow all of the female focused finance accounts, for example, and feel that I'm compelled to comment because we are competitors or because we're in the same space. It feels inauthentic to me. To be quite frank, I get fed up of looking at the same posts over and over. Like I'm in this space. I don't want to follow a load of other people that are also in the same space and pretend that I'm, you know, that I've learned something new because we're doing the same kinds of thing. So I really think it's important that you're clear on what you are trying to achieve and know that social media is just one channel of many so you need to make sure that they are all integrated brilliantly helpful to have especially that stuff about actually knowing where your business is coming from and yeah. then and then acting on it rather than acting on the compulsions that <laughs> then that an app like instagram can uh, you know it's just like gotta keep going um, yes I, I ha hang on a minute you know i've got a paying customer that needs some attention <laughs> from me here just to touch on like what you consume on social how much do you feel that social media feeds into women's less healthy spending habits, less healthy relationship with money? Is that something that you give thought to? Yeah. Um, and especially during lockdown, I think, you know, one of the one of the trends that we observed, you know, within the Rainmaker community and elsewhere from people that are not necessarily customers that who but who were DMing or um, leaving comments was that you know, we saw this kind of anecdotal rise in emotional spending. So people kind of, you know, we we lost the ability to go out to socialise, to spend our time in other ways than just being glued behind our computer for our day jobs on Zoom um, continually. Um, and then all of our social activities suddenly became centred around our phone as well. And so all we had to do was, you know, scroll um, incessantly, you know, day, all day long. It's the first thing that lots of us were doing as soon as we woke up. And it was the last thing lots of us were doing before we went to bed. And companies were aware of that. I mean, ultimately, they're there to entice us to buy things. And I think what was happening is that people were being enticed, perhaps as a result of some of the influencers that they might have been following. But, you know, I don't necessarily blame influencers. You know, it's a career and, you know, that's their line of work. But you, we were being enticed to buy things that we didn't, we couldn't even use. We weren't necessarily in a position to use because we couldn't go outside. And this is something that I think extends outside of even just the lockdown scenario where you might tap into a reality that that is ultimately contrived because it's contrived to have you, you know, that's what advertising is. It's not just something that's unique to influencers. Ultimately, they are uh, personal advertisers, if you like. But definitely this, you know, this feeling that, okay, we, we felt anxious. Um, we missed our family and friends. We were vulnerable. Lots of us were shielding. And so the one thing that was giving us comfort was having those packages turn up. Um, you know, you'd feel quite excited that if you had a delivery, that was, and, and even just to see the postman, you know, dropping the parcel off, you would feel quite, you know, you have that momentary high. Um, so definitely, I think that there is a real risk that social, if not managed effectively, if there is indiscipline around its usage, can be quite damaging. That said, I think, you know, overwhelmingly, it can really be a force for good. It can be a force for good in helping you to connect with other people. There are people that I have now met that I consider to be, you know, really, you know, either firm friends or a really powerful part of my professional network. And I have met them through the power of social media. Um, and there are also, you know, as a small business owner, there are opportunities that come as a result of being on there. So I think it really is just about 
taking a step back and reflecting on all aspects of your life and establishing what discipline is required in order for you to feel good and to feel peace. Talk about small businesses, last of all. Um, you know, the, it doesn't surprise me that tons and tons of the women that I'm connected with are drawn to the appeal of running their own business, of being their own boss, of not answering to anybody, about getting out of this system that seems to make us feel crap, that doesn't fit around, you know, the other things in our lives. But running your own business or starting your own project is a hard thing as, as you know, you're doing it, you know it. What advice would you give to somebody who's at the early stages of a, a project they'd love to get off the ground? The one thing that was really powerful for me was surrounding myself with other entrepreneurs at the same level I was at in terms of my journey as an entrepreneur, but also women that were at the next stage and the stage after that, so that I could see, you know, you know, particularly when I was struggling, I could see those women who were inspiring to me and who were very generous with their time in, in kind of informally coaching and, you know, people that I could reach out to if I had a question. I really think that that's, it's such a massive help, you know, especially when you're just starting out and you, you perhaps, you know, you come, if you might have come from the corporate world or, you know, whatever your background has been. And if you don't have that network, those networks already in place, then it can feel like you're floundering or like, you know, you're by yourself. And, um, you know, I think you touched on this earlier when you, you come from having a team to suddenly being a team of one. That's really hard. So I think that my best advice would be to join one of the many flourishing um, female entrepreneurship networks or just general entrepreneurship networks. You know, find your tribe um, because they will really make a difference in in not just your success, but how good you feel about the journey, because it really is hard. The other thing that I would do is, or I would say is when you get to a point at which you're able to do so, don't be afraid to pay for help. And this was something that, you know, I had to learn very early in my personal life, you know, so, you know, shortly after I got married and realizing, you know, after years of living by myself in London, you know, I had a very active social life. I only had to think about myself, didn't have children. It was amazing. And then suddenly you're thrust into this environment where you're having to coexist alongside another person. I, I was like, oh my God, this is a total nightmare. But I resisted for a very long time, getting a cleaner even. Now I know for lots of it, people- it's a Do you know what though? Oh it's my a relationship God. saver. Who needs to be arguing about who's doing the loo? Yeah, like just, just invest in yourself. Um, and so if a cleaner, if it costs you, if you can get a cleaner for like a couple of hours a month and it will help to free up your time to do something else. There is an opportunity cost to our time, right? So it's important that you're thinking, where is my time best spent? So I, I guess learning that lesson early on in my personal life meant that when, I, when it came to a business context, I was able to say at the point at which I needed help, I was able to say, right, I need to get a social media person on board because this is overwhelming for me now. And I really don't want to spend my time on social media because I find it, it, you know, it's anxiety inducing quite often for me. And then getting somebody that might be able to assist you with admin or CRM, whatever it is, the point at which you're able to do so, don't be afraid to pay for help. Like you're not saving any money and you're spending hours doing something that that's not it's not your thing it's not your skill set and and you you know it could take some somebody else could do it in 45 minutes do you know what I mean exactly. and you're killing yourself <laughs> wasting your weekend where you know whatever it might be that yes. you're doing yeah i've been there done that <laughs> <laughs> thank you've been so generous with your time and expertise how can we engage with raincheck if we would like to go on that journey with you yes yeah, so the first thing of course is to follow us on Instagram, which, as I say, is our primary social media channel, um, but sign up to our mailing list. So it's at raincheck, www.raincheck.com. We send out weekly newsletters with money tips, with news and views, and hopefully inspiring um, messages that can give you a real boost and a pep talk for your week. Thank you so much. That was such an interesting chat. Thank you. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you.
I think that what Davinette has that will make rain check work is clarity, one of my favorite words. She is crystal clear about who her customer is and going after them unapologetically. Forget about the other people. There's also that clarity about what works for her and her business because she looks at the data and she knows, go and speak to successful people. This is something that they do. So if this kind of chat is your kind of thing, do you get my emails? Every Friday, I send out a newsletter called The Switch. It's designed especially for people like us. It's full of recommendations for good things like podcasts and thoughts about how to do digital marketing better. And it's how you'll be the first to know about courses and workshops and things I've got coming up. If you go to my website, Google Helen Perry and put your details into the pop-up box, you can't miss it, you'll get it next Friday. Goodbye for now and thank you always for listening. We're nearly at the end of the first series. Just a few more to go. Can't believe it. I'll see you next time. Bye.